Hello, fellow lovers of all things green. I'm Mary Stone, and welcome to Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries. It's not only about gardens, it's about nature's inspirations, about grasping the glories of the world around us, gathering what we learn from Mother Nature, and carrying these lessons into our garden of life. So let's jump in in the spirit of learning from each other. We have lots to talk about. Hello there, it's Mary Stone on the screen porch and fall is in full gear. I see some leaves changing color. It is a cloudy day, which kind of makes the colors more intense, doesn't it? I look forward to sharing bits from a woman and their woods retreat I participated in over the weekend. But before I do, I want to thank those that reached back after last week's chat, Why Some Trees Remain Evergreen. Linda, my college roommate, texted me, Quick question, is the reference from your Evergreen podcast to the two follically challenged men on the bench our two guys? There's a photo I love of Kurt, who's my guy, and Morris, hers, in Laguna Beach. Sending love your way, and I always enjoy listening to your podcast. Yes, indeed, Linda. The photo is from years ago, and I don't think any hair has grown back since, unlike evergreen needles. Good thing baldness is beautiful, too. Anyway, on to this week's story, which starts like this. Hello, fellow listeners and readers. Last Saturday, I was honored to participate in a Woman and Their Woods retreat hosted by the Ridge and Valley Conservancy in Newton, New Jersey. The event's mission is to help educate women landowners on how to take better care of their woods. It was held at the Princeton Blairstown Center, a magnificent camp close by. And while it was a rainy day, the sunshine of energy from the like-minded ladies there to learn, grow, and collaborate was a delight. Before my talk about landscaping with native woody plants, I sat in on Sharon Wander's presentation about pollinator-friendly properties. She is a guru of knowledge about insects and native plants and is a wetland specialist. Along with her husband, Wade, Sharon runs an environmental consulting practice, and she is a Ridge and Valley Conservancy trustee. They are such delightful folks. I've known them for years. In fact, I worked on their garden a little bit long ago. Sharon listed herbaceous plants such as asters, blue flag iris, black-eyed Susans, blazing star, giant hyssop, and goldenrod. You know those are one of my favorites in the fall flowering beauties we spoke about and others such as joe pie weed and of course my favorite mountain mint plus other herbaceous plants her slide will be on the column link in the show notes in the spirit of the theme of the retreat our beloved woods she listed shrubs such as blackberry and bottle brush buckeye you know how much i love them hiding tree knees we spoke about in episode 118 there's buttonbush, New Jersey tea, nine bark, shrub dogwoods, viburnums, and sweet pepperbush, which is Clethra alnifolia. Sharon listed trees such as eastern redbud and sourwood. They are so beautiful, and I will have links in the show notes. I particularly love seeing the assortment of milkweed, purple, swamp, butterfly, poke, and common milkweed that appeals to butterflies of all kinds. Her slide was adorned with a colorful assortment. And then she shared gorgeous photos of insects on the next slide. I think her husband, Wade, took those pictures of a hummingbird moth and confusing bumblebee. I'd never heard of that, had you? They're all yellow, these fuzzy little guys. So cute. There are milkweed beetles, milkweed bugs, and tussock moths. Her photo of the black and white larvae of the tussock moth with a black and white fuzzy skirt looks like a caterpillar with dreadlocks. So beautiful insects can be. 
and they're a vital food source for our birds and other wildlife, such as small mammals and reptiles. And of course, they are pollinators for our food source too. And they decompose plant material, allowing nutrients to return to our dear earth for the next seasons of growth. So next time you get a little squeamish about an insect, just think they are beautiful too. When she landed on the slide about the native grasses and sedges that are caterpillar food for 40 plus species of butterflies here in New Jersey, she had blue grasses, purple top grass, bottle brush grass, blue stems, and panic grasses. Sherrod made a point to stay clear of big blue stem because of how ambitious it is. And indeed, it grows to be four to six feet tall and two to three feet wide. She warned that it would take over other meadow beauties, which made me blush as I used big blue stem in a design I shared for a home with a surrounding vineyard. The homeowners wish to attract pollinators and lessen the burden of mowing by creating meadows. On the other hand, little blue stem, which only rises two or three feet tall, may have been a better choice, but I did wish to fill acres and acres of meadows around their large property. Am I justifying my design decision? <laughs> I guess I am. So in my talk, I talked about native understory plants that are a beautiful buffer between your more groomed areas and the woods, and Clethra alinifolia, which is a summer sweet, was one of them, and uh, the fall color is just this gorgeous orangey yellow. And there's, of course, the uh, northern bayberry, as well as the black haw viburnum, and lacothe, which is dog hobble. Also New Jersey tea, so these were some of the plants that Sharon has spoken about. And one of the things I had noticed was they're all white flowering. Did you know that white flowers are the most universally attractive to pollinators? I had not known that, so maybe Mother Nature knows what she's doing, having all these native beauties flowering white. While I couldn't stay for the whole retreat because of work commitments, I attended the presentation after mine, which was with Rita Barragona, a talented artist. I will have a link in the show notes to her website. You should take a peek at what she creates. It has got such energy and so unusual. You can just see the rhythm of nature in her art. She shared Breathwork and Symbiosis. That was the name of her talk, but it really was a meditation. I wish I could have recorded her voice as she spoke with such soothing sounds and her explanation of being one with a tree as you breathe was just hard to duplicate. But basically, she suggested grounding your feet as if you're in the earth and visualizing yourself with the tree and um, feeling the energy of it. And just in a natural way, we're connected to nature and trees. The PBS.org describes symbiosis as a close, prolonged association between two or more different biological species. This relationship can be symbiotic, which is mutualistic, where both parties involved benefit from the interaction or it can be parasitic, where one party benefits while the other is harmed. There are many examples of symbiotic relationships in nature, including the mutualistic relationship between plants and animals. And that was a quote from the pbs.org site. In a previous episode, The Insights from the Interdependence of Trees, episode 88, we spoke about how trees are interconnected with mycorrhizae, a fungus found naturally in soil. Because filaments called hyphae spread 200 times farther than roots, they extract more water and nutrients, especially phosphorus, that transfer to the roots. It helps plants increase their resistance to pests and diseases. Plus, it helps them grow faster, produce more fruit, and overcome the impact of drought and salt stress. In turn, the plant provides the sugar that mycorrhizae needs. So there you go, a very symbiotic relationship. 
benefiting both parties. Unlike that hornworm, the tomato hornworm I mentioned a few episodes ago that had the parasitic wasp larvae feeding on it, that was kind of skeevy, but nature intended it that way. One species helping another, all part of the cycle of life. On Sunday, Reedy gave another presentation I was sad to miss, and that was one about doodling nature. And um, I was so delighted when I came back and found my envelope that they gave me of all the goodies from the retreat. And in it was a journal and directions on how to doodle and draw and write about the beauty of the world around us. One of the subtitles on her directions was, What is your connection to the woods? A tree, a leaf, yourself. And I ask the same of you, kind listeners and readers. And go ahead, hug a tree. Don't giggle until you've given it a try. And maybe reach back to me and tell me how it feels. It will feel fabulous. As it does to visit with you each week, I so appreciate our time together on the screen porch, and I hope you have as well. And if so, I would so enjoy hearing from more of you about different ideas or stories that you'd like to share with me. You can email me at askmarystone at gmail.com and share the podcast with a friend or two so more can join us in learning and growing in the garden of life and plant more native plants because it helps our dear earth. It helps all the critters and creatures, the beautiful insects that I know you now love, <laughs> and it helps grow our earth and our hearts. Thanks so much. See you next time on the screen porch. You can follow Garden Dilemmas on Facebook or online at GardenDilemmas.com and on Instagram at hashtag Mary Elaine Stone. Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries is produced by Alex Bartling. Thanks for coming by. I look forward to chatting again from my screen porch. And always remember to embrace the unexpected in this garden of life. Have a great day.